Welcome to the Seeing Red Podcast. That's right, that's right. It is another edition here of the Seeing Red Podcast. My name is Troy Moriello, and I am your host, bringing you up to date and up to speed on all things St. John's basketball. We want to wish everyone a happy and healthy belated Thanksgiving, as uh, we hope everyone had a, had a good Thanksgiving with friends and family, but now back to business after a short layoff uh, to recap two wins for the Red Storm, a win over Wagner last weekend, and then a relatively close and concerning win over St. Peter's on Tuesday night. We'll also look ahead to the big Red Storm game this weekend at Madison Square Garden against West Virginia, which I will be in attendance for. But uh, we'll get to all that in a second. We're also going to have a new guest on for the first time, Jay DeMeo. Uh, we're going to have him join the show to talk a little bit about the recent Red Storm games, break those, break those down, and then we will obviously talk a little bit about the season ahead, uh, West Virginia coming up this weekend, as I mentioned before. But uh, to get my quick thoughts on the week for the St. John's, two wins, an easy win over Wagner, uh, really a blowout game, 86-63. St. John sets the tone early wins. They lead uh, 43-19 to at the half, and that really, you know, that game was over really in the first couple of minutes. St. Peter's uh, kind of felt like the game was going to be over in the first couple of minutes when the Red Storm jumped out to a 28-6 to lead and had only allowed six points in the first 11-plus minutes of that game. St. Peter's just could not hit a shot. I like the defensive intensity, and St. John's kind of set the tone early. And, you know, before anything else, I really like how, at least in these last two games, St. John's has just come out and set the tone early and put their foot down early and said, this is not going to be a close game. This is going to be a blowout win. Now, credit to St. Peter's because they did not back off. You know, usually when you're playing these mid-major, low-level schools that are going nowhere, you know, Ken Palm ranked in the 300s or whatever— when you take a 20-point lead in the first half, those games are over. You know, they're not going to come back. They're going to lay down for you and say, all right, this game is over. Let's just play to the best of our abilities and try to keep it respectful. That's what Wagner really did, although Wagner, uh, you know, played well in the second half of that game. That game was never in doubt in the uh, in the second half. St. Peter's, to their credit, played really, really well in, in at the uh, end of the first half and then into the second half as well, especially the end of the second half. So give them credit. But give, give St. John's credit and give Mike Anderson some credit for coaching this team to not, at least this week, and, and, and you know, early in the season as well, we saw this, to kind of put the foot down uh, early in these games and not play around with these teams and give them hope that they can maybe make a comeback or, or shock the world and win these type of games. That's something that we had certainly not seen in the Chris Mullen era. You know, how many times we've seen some losses, you know, Incarnate Word, Delaware State. We've saw some games, um, what was it, California uh, on Northridge or whatever. That was a close game. You know, we've seen some games in the Mullen era where these teams that there was no reason that they should have been playing with St. John's were playing with St. John's deep into the second half and even beating St. John's in uh, in games that they should just have never even been in, you know, St. John's is 20 point favorites or whatever. So it's good to see the Mike Anderson teams uh, kind of laying the foot down early. And that all comes with preparation. You know, I don't think there's been one game this season where St. John's has been unprepared uh, at the tip. And you can, you can chalk that up to the conference 
competition, obviously, in these first nine games. But I don't think there's been one game where they've come out flat. You know, you look at the Niagara game from a couple of weeks ago. Yes, they didn't play a great game. They played a, a terrible first half, but that was more so just I think the, the you know, they couldn't hit a shot. You know, that wasn't an unpre- that was not an unprepared type thing. That was not a coming out flat type thing. So give credit. Uh, to a Mike to Mike Anderson's coaching so far because they have not done that knock on wood so far um, this season, and in this St. Peter's game, a 28 to six lead gets kind of will, willowed away uh, throughout the uh, first half and ends up being only a 14-point lead going into the half for St. John's. And then throughout the second half, I, I was watching this game and I was kind of wondering, you know, what am I going to talk about on this show? Because the, the lead kind of, you know, was anywhere from like 17 to 25 throughout the second half. It was just not a very entertaining second half until the final seven and a half minutes or so uh, after St. John's takes a 71 to 47 lead with seven nine to go they just fall apart and Mustafa Heron said after the game it was a lack of focus and I think that's where you can chalk it up to uh the Red Storm let St. Peter's way back in this game a 24 point lead goes all the way down to six in the final minute uh certainly got a little bit uh more too hectic than the Red Storm fans wanted to be I tweeted out I think that if St. Peter's maybe started that comeback two minutes earlier or if there were two minutes left in that game St. John's very very well may have lost that game so certainly some some concerns down the stretch in that one. But I'm not overly concerned about it, to be honest with you. Um, how can you blame this team? You know, they're, they're playing West Virginia coming up in a couple of days in their first Madison Square Garden team. They're playing St. Peter's in a in a 20-something point game with a couple minutes left in a half-empty Karnasek Arena, which is an issue as well, in a half-empty Karnasek Arena. How can you blame them for looking ahead and for losing focus? It's a relatively young team. Um, guys like LJ Figueroa and Mustafa Heron shouldn't be allowing that to happen, but it's going to happen from time to time. So I'm not going to going to go crazy about that. Um, I saw a tweet. I'm going to give some credit here to, uh, I think it's Rollins World on, uh, on Twitter. I don't think he listens to the show, but but I'll give him some credit for uh, for pointing that out with these games. You know, I, I know I, I've been seeing him tweet how much he hates these games. And yeah, you know, he I think he said th- these games, either we blow the team out and, you know, it's a boring game and, you know, there's nothing really to talk about or a game like this with St. Peter's where they allow St. Peter's to hang around and then to make this run at the end of the game and everyone's running around like it's the end of the world, you know, fire the coach, this team's going to end in last place in the Big East, yada, yada, yada. It's not that serious. You know, it, it, it's it's a it's a concerning end of the game for sure, but I could see why it happened. And I would rather it happen in a game against St. Peter's that you were never, ever, ever going to lose that game, to be honest with you. You know, down the stretch, you were not going to blow that game. Um just based on how much time was left, you were not going to blow that game. I'd rather have have that happen now in a in an early December meaningless game relatively against St. Peter's than sometime in January or February against a Big East opponent. You know, against a team like DePaul, let's say, who is looking really really good this season, where you have you know a 15 point lead with three minutes to left with three minutes left, and you're looking ahead to your next game and you blow that game, or you know a game against let's say Marquette, you know a 10 point lead with with two minutes left and you blow that game because you lose focus down the stretch. I'd rather it happen against a team like St. Peter's than against a team like a team in the Big East or then against um, yeah a Big East team down the stretch so hopefully Mike Anderson uses this as a learning experience and I'm sure that he will uh, with his guys down the stretch 
Hopefully he pulls out the old uh, Herb Brooks quote from Miracle. You don't have enough talent to win on talent alone because the Red Storm are a very, very talented team. But if they pull something like that in the Big East, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. And, and, and it's going to be a terrible, terrible loss if they do uh, kind of lose focus like that in a, against the Big East opponent. Or if they do it this weekend against West Virginia, it is not going to be pretty for St. John's. And I hope Mike Anderson, you know, uses this as a wake up call for his players that, yes, you know, you've, you've gotten out to a nice start against in this season but you've played no one you've really beaten no one so far and there's a lot of work to still be done and you do not have enough talent to just skate by on talent I think that was last year's teams the their biggest issue is they thought that they had enough talent that you could just roll the ball out there play basketball and get a couple of wins and sure their talent did carry them to a couple wins even in the Big East it did you know with, with guys like Shimori Pons and uh and Justin Simon who have now left the program but this season that's not going to work you know, your talent is not going to carry you to some of these wins. And they got very, very lucky that it didn't cost them in this game. But hopefully uh, Mike Anderson puts the foot down and ends ends that right now. Some positives to take out of this game besides the very fast start, as I mentioned. Uh, Julian Champagny had another incredible game. His first career uh, double-double, 14 points and 11 rebounds on 6 of 13 shooting and 2 of 3 from beyond the arc. I mean, this kid has been, and I saw I saw some people tweeting about it. And how can you not think about this as well? You know, if this kid ends up being a three or four year player, at least through his first couple of, of games, obviously it's only nine games, and you have to take the the uh, competition into into account. But so far, he's looked like a kid that could eventually blossom into an All Big East type player in year in year two and three and four. Hopefully, if he stays with the program. Now, obviously, again, you take you know they've played a lot of mid majors so far, but this kid just looks like he has skills that he is a college basketball player and hopefully this could be the first big find of the of the uh, Mike Anderson era you know a guy that wasn't really highly sought after and ends up so far being really one of the most consistent players on St. John's I was actually surprised that this was his first double double of his career and of this season because just looking at his averages it feels like he's always kind of been around that you know double digit points and double digit rebounds uh, mark so but nonetheless he's definitely been one of their most consistent guys this season and he's really been one of the bigger options on offense. So I, I love that out of him. And, you know, in a game like this against St. Peter's where Rasheem Dunn only only scores three points and only takes four shots, Champagny stepped up and scored 14. So you got to like that as well. I also like over the, these last couple of games, Mustafa Heron kind of finding his shot back, you know, going seven of 11 from the field against Wagner and three of six from three-point range. And then against St. Peter's going five of 13 from the field and three of eight from three-point range as well, scoring 17 points. I like that. You know, Heron is someone who, if he's not on his game, it's going to be very, very difficult for St. John's down the stretch to win games. So I like that as well. And Josh Roberts uh, only scored four points, but again, four blocks in this game and eight more rebounds for him uh, against Wagner over the weekend, 12 points and uh, nine rebounds. So this guy's just been a beast. And again, it's it's mind-blowing that he was not playing more last season. But you have to give him credit for the strides that he's taken in the offseason to turn himself into not only really the best shot blocker in the Big East, so far this season, but one of the better players on this Red Storm team. Uh, one of the things that I really, really liked from these games, and then we're going to get to our interview with Jay DeMeo. Um, I really liked the, the assist, the assist, um, the moving the ball, the ball movement on offense uh, in this in this St. Peter's game. 24 assists on 29 made field goals. And then against Wagner, 23 assists on 33 made field goals. So that's 40, 47 assists 
in the last two games for the Red Storm. You, you got you to chalk it up to that. One, one of the early season concerns that at least I had was that this team does not have a lot of guys that can create their own shot. You know, LJ Figueroa is one. Mustafa Heron is another. And, and you would say Rasheem Dunn is a third as well. But even Heron has been a little bit streaky at the start of the season. So you need to move the ball well if you, if you don't have a lot of options on offense. You know, last year's team had, at any time on the court, they had three or four guys on offense that could create their own shots. This year's team does not have that. You've got to move the ball if you don't have that. And these last two games, at least, they have done just that. You know, 20 plus assists in each of these games. Everyone seems to touch the ball almost on every possession. Yeah, I like it and I like the ball movement as well. No one's playing selfish. No one is playing hero ball, which we saw was a huge issue last with last year's team. Even guys like uh, Figueroa and Heron are not doing that. They're passing the ball as well. Figueroa had three assists in this game. Nick Rutherford has been a, an, an incredible passer for them. He hasn't scored a lot, but he had five assists against St. Peter's as well. So I love the ball movement so far. And I think that's an adjustment that they've made so far. And again, give credit to Anderson for that. You know, this is a team that, as we said, did not have a lot of scoring options to start the season, especially with the regime done out. And the ball movement has only gotten better as the season goes on. And we hope to see that continue uh, as, as the season goes on and as we get into Big East play. But that's just my quick thoughts on the two wins over this week. Again, two not not crazy entertaining games. Uh, we'll get back into the good games coming up this weekend against West Virginia. So we're going to talk a little bit more, though, about these two games with Jay DeMeo. Uh, he is going to join the show for the first time coming up. So I hope you guys enjoy that. All right, I'm now joined by Jason DeMeo for the first time on this show. Appreciate him uh, reaching out to come on. We always appreciate when we get new voices on the podcast. So Jason, thank you for joining us today. No problem. So first, before we get into the, the breakdown of last night's game and, and the discussion about the uh, the Red Storm season, I wanted to give you a chance to uh, tell people where they can find your work, where they can find you on social media and everything like that. So um, my personal handle is at Jason DeMeo one I'm not too active on that, but um, my main stuff is um, I do um, write articles for um, Johnny Nation, at Johnny Nation. Um, it's one of the... Uh, one of the fan accounts you can see under the SJUBB hashtag. Um, we've been a little um, lackadaisical lately with our stuff. We haven't been putting out much content, but um, we have, we're trying to find a new website server to get all our stuff up. So you can expect a bunch more content in the upcoming months around when the play starts. Definitely, yeah. And you guys, you guys keep that active Twitter account. You guys have have a couple funny tweets. I like the one with the uh, with the guy whispering to the girl about the Seton Hall. That was that was a yeah. good one from a couple weeks yeah. ago. We try we try to make people laugh. We have a couple guys on it. It's not just me, but um, yeah, we all we all try to interact with the fan base as much as possible and make sure we're all on the same page. Awesome, that's good to hear. Well, we always appreciate more and more voices uh, on the from the fan base as well and on the show. Um, let's talk a little bit about the game uh, Tuesday night against St. Peter's. A big, big lead early for the Red Storm. And then they kind of fell apart in the, in the second half down the stretch the last eight minutes or so. Um, they said after the game it was maybe a lack of, of focus. Uh, you told me off air you actually left to go get dinner once they they, uh, they blew kind of blew the door doors open and kind of fell apart. So, I mean, how concerned are you with, with how they kind of closed out that game? Well, yeah, if you look at it, this hasn't kind of been a recurring theme throughout the season so far, maybe aside from the Mercer game. Whether it's been in the first half or the second half, I feel like the team has yet to really put together a full 40 minutes of consistent play. You look at what happened with Arizona State, we were cruising at, at halftime, and then we just cough up a lead and give them, hand them a win on a silver platter. You look at yesterday, well, I see we're up to like 24 at one point in the middle of the second 
and then I come back after I get a plate of dinner and I threw up six. I'm like, we're going to have a, a Delaware State scenario here all over again. And that's the last thing we need under this new regime, you know. If you're going to lose to some good teams like they've lost to Arizona State, Vermont, that's one thing. But, you know, like, we, I know it's a new regime and there wasn't expectations were a little muted this year. But, like, at the same time, you want to see progress. You don't want to see them losing games that they should be winning, especially when you have a 24-point lead. Definitely, and I said in my in my open, I thought it was a case of of looking ahead. Obviously, they have that that big game with uh, with West Virginia coming up, twenty point lead at home against St. Peter's down the stretch. It, it almost makes sense that they would have would have lost a little bit of focus. Do you kind of see think of that think that way as well? That you know you kind of excuse it almost because because of what's coming up uh, over this weekend. Yeah, exactly, and and uh, I think that's almost a positive. You know, like you like you said, against a, a Big East opponent or against West Virginia coming up this weekend, that game probably would have ended differently if they kind of lost focus. So, do you kind of look at this as a positive, thinking that you know Mike Anderson can use this as a teaching experience or a teaching opportunity for this team, which is a couple of young players mixed in with some veterans? Do you think he can kind of use this as a teaching opportunity? Well, yeah, hundred percent. Because I think that's really been like their biggest flaw right now is not playing complete forty minutes. So they know they can play with anyone. You know, just Mike Anderson's style of play is, regardless of the talent on the team, he's going to bring you up to play with anyone. So hopefully, this wakes them up and they realize, okay, once we got a lead, we got to. Now we need to learn how to play with one. Absolutely, yeah. And, and looking at the individual performances uh, for the Red Storm, I, I, in my opinion, the two most impressive or surprising or you know pleasantly surprising players so far this season have been Josh Roberts and Julian Champagny. Uh, both of them had really good games last night. Champagny with the double-double and Roberts with only four points but eight rebounds and four blocks. Uh, who has impressed you more? I mean, if you have to pick one or you know, what can you say about both of those guys so far this season? <laughs> I got to go with Champagne because I think we all knew what we could be getting from Roberts. It was just a matter of if he's going to be on the floor or not. And now that we see that he's finally getting to grow and develop, he's showing what he can fully bring to the table. With Champagne, we didn't really, you know, I didn't really know too much about him coming into this season. I wasn't sure what he brings to the table. He was a three-star recruit. Um, but it was good to see that he had the three-point ball falling last night because that's an aspect of this team that we're not getting from too many outlets because LJ has it, but he hasn't been showing it so much. And Mustafa is just... He's just too inconsistent. Some days he's on fire or he can be ice cold. And if Chef Eddie can become another option 
to add that much more scoring, I think that's very big. And um, he's 100% exceeded the expectations that I've had for him so far, and I think he's only going to get better as time goes along. Absolutely, absolutely. And I, I agree with you 100%. I think if they, you know, I, I could see Rasheem Dunn stepping into that, that third scorer role, but like you mentioned, I, I think that Champagny has been their most consistent player. And if they can rely on, on him to put up, you know, 10 to 15 points per game, that's huge for them, especially what you know, because you kind of know what you're going to get out of out of Figaro and Heron, you know? 100%. Him being better takes the focus off of those two, which opens up more opportunities for them. And the thing with Rasheen Dunn is, um, I've seen some fans knock him a little bit. I'm not going to get too hard on him because like, he's only about four or five games in after a two-year layoff of absolutely no in-game action. Mm-hmm. I think the game just needs to come to him a little more uh, as time goes along and he'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, let's stick with the bench a little bit. We've seen uh, Mike Anderson, I, I call it like hockey lines almost. He almost has that, that starting unit that he puts in and then he has that, that secondary unit that he puts in with um, like Erlington and Williams and Dunn and Carraher. Do you like that? I, I, it seems like he's, he kind of mentioned in his post game yesterday that he, he's going to stop doing that as we get deeper into the season. But do you, do you like kind of the, the switching of the lines almost or would you prefer the subs to kind of come in, you know, in a more traditional style? Personally, I do like it. I didn't even catch that that he was going to stop doing that. I did like it because I think it would be good for the team's benefit of playing with everyone. So that there's not at one point that you could say there's a lineup on the floor and they don't really play together. So I, I did think it's good because I think it's good for the team to have you know that chemistry that they all know how to play with each other. And, so, um, but if if Mike Anderson thinks you know he's going to stop that and he's going to implement a new system, then you know I'm all for it. Absolutely. And uh, one more thing about last night's game. I mean, 24 assists on 29 made field goals. Really just an incredible uh, percentage for the Red Storm, especially in that first half where the ball movement was just incredible. I I said in my opening, it kind of feels like, you know, this team, they don't have a lot of guys that can create their own shots besides Figueroa and Heron, really. So that's kind of a necessary thing. I really like that they're really moving the ball and getting everyone involved on offense when they, you know, when they have a team of guys that don't really, you know, create their own shots it's good to see that they're, they're getting open and, and you know making good passes like that correct oh yeah 100 it's a breath of fresh air because you know i kind of expected this coming in because last under the mullen regime you know the offensive um in my opinion the offensive play calling wasn't you know up to par it was kind of a lot of iso ball and mm-hmm. non-moving parts and guys just throwing up shots but it's now you really get the sense that it's a real system in play and while the talent isn't what we had last year the system is better which is i think definitely showing i'm seeing you're seeing that result with the with the offensive movement on the court and it just it looks a lot better it's a much better product absolutely. and it fits the players on this team a lot better than what we've been seeing in the past absolutely and it is it is you know they do play the, the fast style obviously but when you can play offense like that it's, it's so much more pleasant to watch you know oh yeah 100% like I said just in the past just uh, yeah. mm-hmm. I'm just holding the ball around the side clock and just always pick up a three setting picks and everyone's mm-hmm. not really getting back you know they're playing with with grit and like I said the talent isn't what we've had but the system fits it better so it, it, we're seeing better results and it's a really it's a really good breath of fresh air and I think it's even resulting them to even be better on defense because they're really for 40 minutes you can see that they're for the most part they're locked in Oh, absolutely, yeah, and, and you know the the forty minutes of hell probably hasn't been fully implemented, but they they are definitely giving the defensive effort for all forty minutes, uh, for sure. Looking forward to this weekend now. 
West Virginia, by far their best opponent that they'll play all season. I think it's a West Virginia team that will probably end up uh, being ranked at some point this season as well. So a huge game for the Red Storm. Uh, big litmus test. Just, just how big of a test do you think this is for St. John so far? Well, this is going to be their biggest test of the non-conference, if you ask me, because um, I know we have Arizona in a couple weeks. But mm-hmm. as of right now, I'm pretty sure um, in all the sabermetric rankings, um, I think West Virginia's net is 33 and Arizona's is 66. Mm-hmm. And, Arizona's a, and Arizona's obviously up there. They're ranked at the top 25 and West Virginia's not. But um, I feel West Virginia plays a similar style to St. John's. Mm-hmm. So we're going to pretty much have to be playing against ourselves and they're going to need to know how to limit the three ball because West Virginia is a pretty decent shooting team. And uh, But, hey, if they can get a win, I think that does that does a lot. It can boost their confidence heading into the – as we get closer to a Big East play. And it should be a really good game we have on Saturday. Absolutely. And, and I think that's a big part of it is just a confidence boost, you know, seeing where you're at in the season. I mean, they played Vermont, who is, is probably going to be a tournament team. They were still favored in that game, but they, they were in that game for the entire way through. Arizona State, they handled them for the first half. And like you said, kind of fell apart in the second half. I think this West Virginia game is, is a really good chance to build some confidence going into Big East play because at, at the end of the day, we know this isn't a tournament team. You know, they're, they're probably not going to be in the tournament, but to getting to that, you know, maybe 16 or 17 wins, this is one of those that, you know, could really give you some confidence going into Big East play to say, we can play with a team like West Virginia who's ranked in the top 25. So at the end of the or who's going to be ranked in the top 25. So at the end of the day, we can play with almost any Big East team, you know? Yeah, 100%. As, as a fan, I think what you want to see is just 40 minutes of consistent, good basketball. Mm-hmm. Whether it results in a win or not, is you just want to be there and you just want to have a good a good game and have it be competitive. And if they do have a win, you do, if they do have a lead, I should say, you want to see them you know, hold it. And say they do escape out of the garden with a win on Saturday, then all of a sudden that's another very, very, very big win they have on their resume. And then come big, and a thing I've noticed Big East play now with all the stuff going on with Georgetown mm-hmm. uh, and how Providence is struggling. I, the, uh, people were penciling us in at tenth or ninth, but you know, who knows now? The, I think from pretty much seventh on, even maybe sixth, the door is wide open. Absolutely. So, mm-hmm. And St. John's finds themselves if they can even manage to play five hundred basketball in Big East play, and they can escape with a very big win this Saturday. Then who knows? We should maybe be talking. Maybe not the tournament, but a tournament, but maybe an NIT berth or something. If we're just looking ahead in the future. Yeah, absolutely, and I think that's that's a reasonable goal for this team is just you know be be above five hundred and, and play in the NIT for sure. Um, but Jason, I want to thank you, man, for for uh, for coming on and, and just giving a couple of minutes here. I really really appreciate it. I appreciate you reaching out as well. Uh, we'll definitely have you on, you know, to break down some Big East games as we get uh, forward towards the season. So thank you, man, for coming on. Awesome, no problem, man. Anytime. All right, we can we can you can uh, catch Jason on Twitter as well, and on, on the uh, Johnny Nation Twitter, he's at at Jason DeMeo one, and he uh, helps run the at Johnny Nation SJU Twitter. Jason, thank you for joining us, man. No problem. All right, talk to you soon. Later. All right, thank you once again to Jay for coming on and talking about the last two games for the Red Storm. Hopefully, he can become a regular contributor to the show. Uh, let's go around the Big East really, really quickly. Some things that are pertinent to the Red Storm uh, in a couple of weeks when conference play begins. What a start for Butler and DePaul. 
a combined 16-0. and Both of them are 8-0 on the season. Butler's actually got themselves ranked in the top 25. They just beat uh, Ole Miss on the road, I think it was, yesterday. So a really nice nice start for Butler. And then what about DePaul? 8-0 in the year. They've won at Iowa and at Minnesota and at Boston College as well, actually. Uh, crazy start for them. Two teams that... Um, Butler's gotten themselves ranked, and, and DePaul is, is is receiving votes now in the top 25 poll. And those are the two teams that I think a lot of us thought coming into the season were going to kind of be near the bottom of the Big East along along with uh, St. John's. So maybe maybe a little bit concerning there that those two teams are now at the top of the conference. Obviously, conference play hasn't started yet, but those are the only two unbeatens remaining in the Big East right now. A little bit concerning, but I think water always kind of finds its level. We might see those two teams regress a little bit to the mean, but even if they are a little bit better than expected, there will be teams that are worse than expected. Uh, Providence certainly looks like one of the one of those teams that has, is not as good as maybe we thought they would be. I thought they were going to be a top half of the Big East team going into the year. Instead, they've already dropped four games. They've lost to Penn. They've lost to Long Beach State. They've lost to Charleston, I believe, all at home as well. They uh, lost on the road to Northwestern as well. Not a good start for for uh, for Providence. Maybe they look like they'll be a team. That's kind of trending more towards the bottom of the Big East. And then Georgetown, who has already dropped three three games on the year and has already lost a game to UNC uh, Greensboro, as well as getting blown out by, by Penn State a couple of weeks ago. But uh, losing James Akinjo and Josh LeBlanc, who are both gone now, two of their, their better players. I think they're second and third scorers on the team uh, this season, Akinjo and LeBlanc. And Akinjo led them in assists. Uh, accused of, of, of burglary and assault as well, I, I believe it was. Not, not a good look for Patrick Ewing and the Hoyas, who, who now obviously look like they're going to take a, take a major step back in the Beast. A lot of people, including myself, thought that they would be kind of a fringe uh, NCAA tournament team. That certainly doesn't look like it's the case now. If anything, now they're really looked at as one of the, the lower teams in the Big East who will probably be near the near the bottom of the conference going forward. I thought uh, coming into the season that Georgetown would kind of be like St. John's was last year with a lot of hype coming into the year and that they were going to win some games that you, you say, wow, how did they win that game? You know, how did they win on the road at Seton Hall? Wow, how did they how did they beat Xavier on the road? But then they were going to lose a couple of games. You know, how did they lose to St. John's at home? How they lose to, to Providence at home? You know, it kind of felt like that was the year that, that we were looking at with Georgetown, just based on how they started the season, at least. But now it, it looks like they're going to be really in the lower half of the of the conference. So, uh, I guess a positive for, for St. John's is that the the Georgetown negative is is a, is a positive for the Red Storm. But but uh, just just going around the Big East real quick. So, looking forward to this weekend, St. John's will get West Virginia, as we've mentioned a few times on this show. I will be there in attendance for the first game at Madison Square Garden. So, uh, looking forward to cheering on the Red. Storm with everyone. Let's try to actually get a good crowd there. The Karnaseka Arena crowds have been a little bit embarrassing this season so far. So let's try to get a good crowd there. Uh, I've, I've seen there's a lot of tickets still available. So, so please show up and support the team uh, in Mike Anderson's first year because it, it, that's really important. And I, and I hope that we can get a good amount of people coming out to this game. And hopefully uh, we will all leave happy with a Red Storm win against the West Virginia team that is by far their toughest opponent of the season. Uh, West Virginia team that will probably be ranked in the top 20 
2025 at some point this year. And it could end up being a really, really nice win for St. John's if they can get it. Now, I don't know if St. John's going to you know, need any, any help on the bubble you know, in, in, in March. You know, I, don't, I don't think that they're going to be that good. But, you know, to getting above 500 and everything, this is a really, really nice win if you want to play in like an NIT or something down the stretch. So a really good opportunity and another good litmus test for the Red Storm against a West Virginia team that would be probably at the top half of the Big East and is going to be one of the better teams in the Big 12 this season. So really good test for the Red Storm there. We'll see how they deliver and uh, we'll have a show out next week talking about that game as well. But want to thank everyone for listening. If you see me at the Garden this weekend, give me a shout. I will be there. And I hope everyone has a good rest of their weekend and good weekend coming up. And as always, let's go Johnnies.